Welcome to episode two of the Cleveland Sessions podcast, where Cleveland.com, Oh Wow Digital Internet Radio, and the Music Box Supper Club introduce you to new music coming from the heart and the fringes of rock and roll. Today, we spend some time with Welsh punk rebel turned American roots rocker John Langford, who talked about his new album, John Langford's Four Lost Souls, his work with the Mekons and Waco Brothers, and his love of everything American, from Johnny Cash to Muscle Shoals to the city of Chicago. Call me blue-eyed Dan, a shell of a man I was halfway home I didn't seem to have much of a plan I was halfway home I said I was coming back to stay A lot of things can happen along the way I was halfway home I was waiting on the southbound train, halfway home. The platform was empty when it rolled away, halfway home. The hills and the valleys all looked the same, but I met someone who remembered my name. Halfway home, I was halfway home. Yet down by the river, say, stand and deliver. Halfway home. Halfway home. Dirty, dirty eyes like a birdie. I was halfway home. Halfway home. Well, I reached up to grab the top. The lock kept coming and they grabbed the lot. I was halfway home. I was halfway home. My heart starts pumping when I think of you. Halfway home. You're never gonna look into these eyes of blue Halfway home Halfway home Open the door There's nobody here really cares anymore Halfway home Halfway home Starts pumping, heart starts pumping. Halfway home, halfway home. Heart starts pumping, heart starts pumping. I was halfway home, halfway home. Yeah, I was halfway home. Ooh, halfway home, halfway home. Hey, halfway home, halfway home, halfway home, halfway home. Mystery? Yes. Right. Absolutely. 
best bit in this whole song is the guitar interplay in the very first few seconds. <laughs> cheerful Christmas song for you. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> cheerful and Christmas 
certainly checks both of them. Oh, yeah. I know that one. That's a good one. So you can't afford to die. He sank storm on the ocean. Storm on the ocean. Moving his own way. Oh wait, oh is it supposed to all be sound check? You what? Jazz, you like one more? 
We'll do one more for you. Sure, what do you want? Do you want one of those again or something different? How about something different? All right. Damn right. Let's do a. Can we do for set of one? no twilight there is no dusk just a sunny day suddenly turned dark a kaleidoscope of a thousand ideas becomes a straight line snake behind glass He's like a snake behind glass A 20-acre patch With cotton for cash And vegetables Ooh. On the table A far better for worse A far worse forever This farm on government land Like a snake behind glass For 72 hours straight, slept for 30. He lost 50 pounds in weight. Well, he's got painkillers and a guitar case full of amphetamines. When he prayed, he wore out his knees. Snake behind glass. He's like a snake behind glass. Snake behind glass. He's like a snake behind glass. A one, two, three, four. I'm Steve Pappas from Oh Wow Radio and Cleveland.com here at the Music Box with John Langford and the Four Lost Souls. And I think we have a few of the Lost Souls on stage with us right now. Welcome the to Cleveland, three guys. Lost souls. <laughs> yeah, the Three Lost Souls. John, you're originally from Newport, Wales. You're in the United States. You could have picked anywhere. You, New York, L.A., Nashville. You picked Chicago. There's a story I didn't, there. I didn't really pick it. Uh, when I first came over with a band called The Three Johns, in the mid '80s, and then the uh, then the Mekons. After that, um, we had friends in Chicago, 
So everywhere else we stayed in hotels and dashed from airports to radio stations to gigs. And in Chicago we always stayed for a little while. And it was somewhere that seemed more familiar than anywhere else. Coming from Newport in South Wales, which is an industrial town, and then live, moving up to Leeds, which was a big industrial town in the north of England, there's a sort of attitude in Chicago, which was like they don't really care what's going on in LA or New York. You, know? you can make music anywhere. Yeah, and it was yeah. very supportive. Chicago just seemed like there was space, the kind of idea of the Midwest having space to do things. There was, there was less kind of people crawling over each other to try and get to the top and more support. I met journalists and uh, record companies and club owners who let me you know, do what I wanted to do. I think when I moved though, I thought I was gonna retire from music and be done with it. <laughs> you know, and this would be somewhere I was just gonna go away and hide. But, but you were originally a drummer, picked up the guitar, singer, songwriter. Who were some of your early influences? Oh, for me, um, I, I, I came out of that glam rock thing. I was into football. You know, and a lot of kids who were kind of wannabe football hooligans, but pu too puny to actually be a football <laughs> hooligan. We saw people like Mark Bolan and Slade and David Bowie. And it was kind of, this totally fits. And it was the Roxy music as well. That, yeah. that period of music, that's what got me into it in the first place. And but you've managed to connect throughout your career folk and country and punk and post-punk. And you've got this own style of music that's your own. How did you make the connection and make it work? Mainly it was other people pointing things out to us. With the Mekons, we were you know, a punk band, and we thought it was year zero, and we were inventing the wheel, and uh, everything had to be destroyed. And then slowly, what we were doing, it became apparent it was part of some other weird traditions. And that first, we went to a folk studio in 1981. There was a guy called Bill Leader who had a studio, and he was kind of accidentally, we f our manager found it in the yellow pages, and it was cheap, <laughs> and it was near where we lived. And we went there, and he was like the Alan Lomax of Britain the guy who'd recorded the first Bert Jans records and stuff like that. and So we accidentally stumbled into that. But his engineer at that studio had worked with the Sex Pistols, so he had a, f a foot in both camps. So John Gill actually kind of joined the band and he introduced us to all sorts of things. He said, you're like a, you're like a Cajun band. He says, why, because all the mistakes, <laughs> all the mistakes, you incorporate them and make them into part of the music. We thought he was insulting us, but he was, what he was saying was actually right, because you know, when we started, it was a band, punk gave you, gave, great license for people to pick up musical instruments who probably really shouldn't have, which was nice. Because yeah. it seemed like a world where you couldn't, there was no way to be in a band when I was a teenager. You know, they yeah. were like professional musicians, but suddenly punk was like, anyone can do it. Well, you guys have a good time. I mean, I feel like I could just hand you a guitar right now and you just make something up and it's a good time and a good show. Uh, I think we're still kind of finding our rhythm as a group on Kay. stage. I mean, you've got your not stick, but like your energy. Oh, and people are used Good to your energy. So I think uh, John and myself and Tawny are learning how to fold our personalities yeah. into the whole. I think we're doing a good landing. job so far, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's working out. Yeah. Great job. <laughs> now you started the Mekons 40 years ago, and you guys took a little break, and you've been together and perform off and on. Anything new going on with the Mekons? What can we expect? It's been pretty consistent, actually, down the years. We always have a couple of major projects every year. This summer, we had Meconville, which we built our own town. Okay. <coughs> and people came. We went last, in the fall last year, we went to Joshua Tree, and a friend of ours has a studio out there. In it was great. I think we're very interested in making site-specific site records. When we go somewhere, that's, we don't go with any songs. We go to that place and then see what happens. And 
bit. This album we just did was a bit like that because it was the the offer was to go to Muscle Shoals. Oh, and then it was like, well, what would that be if we go to Muscle Shoals to record an album? What what that it presents a kind of interesting puzzle. Like, what would we? We wouldn't go down there and do a load of Roxy music, covers, right? You know, we'd possibly we would think about that that place and what's come out of that place and the history and the politics. So. Yeah. That's what this album's about. What what does that feel like to record there? I mean, you think of the people who have been. I mean, the Almond Brothers, Aretha mm -hmm. Franklin. I mean, so many, so many people. That's so iconic. What was that like? Did it give you chills? Oh yeah, there were certainly <laughs> a lot of rooms where you'd walk in and just you'd you'd feel it like oh, yeah. immediately. Uh, oh yeah, it was very exciting. Yeah, it's. I I don't know. It's, I, yeah. You talk about that. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, it's like you know, um, growing up and listening to things, and you like, and you became very aware of Muscle Shoals um, and just the area and the players, and um, it was just kind of fantastic, kind of walking that same ground and being like, I'm working with the same guy who played bass on Kodachrome, or the same guy, you know, that's the piano that Aretha played on that we, you know, and saw, you know, it's like there were so many great things that came before, and we're part of that tradition now, and it's really cool. Also, big shout out to Norbert Putnam because I met him at the Country Music Hall of Fame and he's one of the original, he's the original bass player. He played on the Arthur Alexander record, which really broke that, broke Muscle Shoals out and made that a, a place people wanted to go and record. His first, his, one of his first gigs outside of that area was uh, opening for the Beatles oh. in Washington the day after they did the Ed Sullivan show. Oh. And if you see film, if you see film of the Beatles in that gig, it's the one with the weird film where they, they turn the drum kit around. It's in black and white, and then they turn. They keep turning Ringo around. The band has to do it themselves. <laughs> there's some. There's a couple of guys crouching at the front with a Super 8 camera. The security guys are making them. It's, it's Norbert Putnam and David Briggs. Oh man! And then Norbert went on, and he, you know, he's he produced loads of great records, and then he uh, was Elvis's bass player. Yeah. And um, he moved back to Muscle Shoals, and when I met him, he just said, "You should. You sing like a pirate. You should come down to Muscle Shoals." <laughs> so it worked. Yes, I'll come there. In addition to your music, you're a busy man. You also are an artist. I've seen your artwork. Uh, it's amazing. And as I'm looking through, and it's Thank all you. at the Yard Dog in Austin, right? That's my main outlet, yeah. Uh. So I'm, I'm looking at, I see Joe Strummer, and I see Johnny Cash, and then I see Waylon Jennings, and then Johnny Cash and June Carter, and then a young Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash had to be a major influence on you, on your music, and uh, you must think very highly of when, Johnny when Cash. I was a, when I was a punk rocker, I thought, yeah. I didn't, I thought we all hated country and western music. It was sort of music for old people. And it was really <laughs> conservative and boring. But I never made the connection that Johnny Cash was anything to do with country music. I don't know what I thought he was, but I, just, I was in awe of Johnny Cash, and I was lucky enough in the 80s to meet him a few times. We made an album of punk rockers singing Johnny Cash songs called Till Things Are Brighter. And he got really behind the project and he was really, really, just a really cool person to meet. It was, it was, but meeting him, it was a bit like those sort of Chris Farley situations where yeah. I'm standing with Johnny Cash. <laughs> what, what do I do now? He just, the best conversation I ever had with him, I took my mum the last time I ever talked to him. Uh, he played in Newport, my hometown. Oh. And we gave him the artwork for the album. Rico from the Mekons framed it up really nicely. It was a painting that I'd done. And Mark Riley, who helped produce the album with me, he's kind of said, well, what, what can I have for the cover? You do a painting. Do a painting of Johnny Cash. And I was like, really? I'd do that. And we gave it to him. And then he just talked to my mum for ages. 
And I just stood and watched them talking. And that was like, that was one of the best nights of my life. I bet it was. Yeah. I bet it was. And so in addition to your music and your art, I mean, you're on the radio. You've done, you've done some work with NPR, with This American Life, theater, your comic strip. Um, when Most of those do things I've stopped doing. Oh, most <laughs> of them. No, no, I got fired from all those jobs. <laughs> Mostly you, for being you know, drunk at work. So. Do you sleep? <laughs> yes, I do. What we do, we go on Priceline and we book uh, four-star hotels in major metro metropolitan areas like Cleveland. Okay. And we go back after the gig and get into bed and like stay there <laughs> to the last possible minute then, then get up and come and have bagels and sing songs. Now, your, your children are involved in music and your wife does art with her jewelry business. Um, do you tell your kids, do you give them tips and, and coach them on what to do in the music business or are they kind of on their own? Um, I have to say, I didn't. They really went off on their own, and I've had people say to me like, "Oh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree." And my older boy had a, he had a hardcore band that were kind of like suicidal tendencies or Fugazi or something, and it was like nothing whatsoever that the Mekons had ever done, and they're all on stage, kind of bounding around, looking really healthy. And when the Mekons, you know, see photographs of the early <laughs> Mekons, it looks like everyone's about to die. <laughs> You know, very pasty people in Oxfam clothes and these big, fit, healthy lads that my son had a band with. And then my other son, Tommy, he's got his band Five Times Crazy. Pure pop, radio pop. That's what they like. Not interested in that punk rock rubbish. <laughs> it's all love and it's all love and hair. Good for them. Music is music. Now, John, John and Bethany, what is next for the Four Lost Souls? More touring, yeah. Uh, it's through the end of this month, anyway. And and then uh, we'll probably play more things next year. Uh, we all do a lot of separate other things, so I think after this, we'll have a couple months to regroup. and. It's actually, yeah. you know, what's what happens with the Mekons is we, we put aside amount of time, and then we do as much as we can. And it's kind of nice with this band now, because it's... Everyone's very busy with other things, so we can actually say, right, we'll work then, and then we won't do anything for a while. And we'll unlearn all the songs and have to learn them all again. And yeah, learn them better. Well, speaking of your songs, you guys want to play a couple songs for us? Yeah. Excellent. John Langford and the Four Lost Souls here at the Music Box. I'm Steve Pappas with Oh Wow Radio and Cleveland.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.